And you might not realize that it's doing any harm until it becomes a conscious bias. So there's always a continuum that I talk about in those sessions. It's going from the unconscious bias to conscious bias. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a choice to make when you get to that point. You say, am I going to stay here or am I going to go into, into the place of inclusion, which is where all voices matter and all voices need to be heard. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. <laughs> yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. What is your leadership style? How can you learn from someone who grew up in a small town America about leadership? What type of work did you do in your young years that helped you form your work ethic? My guest today is Natalie Siston, founder of Small Town Leadership. Small Town Leadership takes the lessons that Natalie learned from small town living and applies them to achieve significant business success. Whether you're a corporate leader looking for an effective way to motivate today's workforce, a manager striving to bring out the best in each individual for the team's benefit, or a rising star wanting to make sure your work matters, big success starts by thinking small. Nellie's been inspiring audiences since winning her first blue ribbon in public speaking in 4-H when she was only eight years old. Her career has taken her to Silicon Valley, to the Fortune 100, and into entrepreneurship. Being raised in Republic, Ohio, population 600, she learned her greatest leadership lessons that inspired her to start small town leadership. She teaches others how to apply lessons from small-town living to create big successes in the world. As a certified professional coach, avid writer, and award-winning public speaker, she helps her clients and audience make whatever they feel like a small town. She is a frequently featured speaker at women's leadership conferences, a regular contributor to podcasts about networking and connection, and a sought-after coach for those looking to be more connected to themselves, their family, work, and community. She lives in Dublin, Ohio with her husband, Rob, who's a professor at The Ohio State University, and two little girls. So before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, 
virtually or in person or on site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Natalie Siston. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest today absolutely shocked me when we get on the Zoom call because she's wearing a shirt that says Ohio CPA Proud, and she'll vouch for this. My jaw hit the floor. Uh, so she surprised me, but find out that she has done some work over the years with the Ohio Society CPAs, and they don't pay her in cash. They just give her swag. So I, I, guess, I guess that's a good swap. And Natalie, welcome to my podcast, and thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. It's my pleasure to be here, Pete. I look forward to whatever we dig into today. Well, the thing I really want to dig into is this business that you have, that you have cultivated, that you're growing, and the title just intrigues me, Small Town Leadership. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. So I am, I'll say first what it's not. So I am not a place where leaders of small towns come to get their leadership training. I'm not the like the, uh, you know, the training mechanism for that. What small town leadership is for me is a definition of my leadership style. I was born and raised in Republic, Ohio, population 600. And as I progressed into my career, which started out in California, brought me back to Ohio, into the Fortune 100, into entrepreneurship. Everything that made me successful along that path came from things I learned growing up in Republic, Ohio. And so about five years ago, when I was working with a coach and talking about what, what's bigger in my life for me, I said, I love to speak and write. It was just come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. I love to do those. That's why you and I are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was thinking about that, I'm like, but there's something specific that I like to speak and write about. And what I typically spoke and wrote about was things I learned growing up in Republic, Ohio. So one night, that middle of the night thought that happens was, I think this thing is called small town leadership. And so very soon thereafter, I went to see if that domain was available. It wasn't. So someone had to go buy it for me. And <laughs> the rest is history. So that that was 2016 when I put that live out into the world. And here we are over four years later, and it's growing and growing and growing. So for those in my audience who are not from Ohio, where exactly is Republic, Ohio? Republic, Ohio is considered north central, northwest Ohio. If you look at 
Columbus, which is almost smack dab in the middle of the state, just draw a straight line up and about 15 degrees to the west. And there you will find Republic. So we're about two hours from Columbus, two hours from Cleveland, an hour from Toledo. Straight shot up to Lake Erie. Perfect. And you grew up in this town of 600. So what what lessons did you learn from growing up in a small town that you're sharing with folks to enhance their leadership skills? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a whole litany of them depending on the audience and depending on what they're after, what their goal is. But I can give you a couple as an example just to whet the appetite of your audience. One I talk about a lot is the idea of work ethic. And I talk about the idea of when you grow up in a small town, you see people working hard every day. And typically from a young age of a child, you're doing the work too. Mm-hmm. You're working in the field. If, you're, if your family owns a farm, you're working in the family-owned business. You're doing odd jobs around town for neighbors and others in the community. And that instills in you this idea that no job is beneath you. No job is too small for you. No job is outside the scope of what you should be doing. So when I entered the workforce and things were put on my plate to do, I always said yes. I didn't care if it was pushing tables and stacking chairs before or after an event, or if it was greeting the... And I, I didn't get to greet him, but I did see him at an event. But like the Dalai Lama was in the building where I was and I got to stand in the hallway. So there's the moment where you get to like be amidst the Dalai Lama. You know, It didn't matter what, what was happening on those given days. I was willing to step in and do the work. And so I often invite the audiences to think about their work ethic story. Where did they start to learn about rolling up their sleeves and saying yes and not worrying about things being outside of their swim lane? So let me ask, what what types of jobs did you do growing up in Republic? Oh boy, I did some fun jobs growing (laughs) up in Republic. Uh, So by the time I was old enough to potentially have worked on a farm, my family had sold our farm. So I was spared from that. But the main job I had growing up was cleaning. Cleaning. So I cleaned my my uncle's, my aunt's house. I eventually turned into, you know, we all know B2B is where it's at. So I turned mm-hmm. to commercial cleaning of, of my mom's office. And then before I started college, I started cleaning dorm rooms at Heidelberg College for a few weeks before I decided, I don't want to do that. And I ended up finding a, a different job. But uh, that was cleaning <laughs> college dorm rooms, just... They recently vacated dorm rooms. Let's just say I've seen it all. <laughs> yes, you have. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, but then let, and I, let me pivot and just tell you a couple of the other jobs I had, because I think these would be interesting for people to think about, you know, because if, if you live in a bigger town or a suburb, some of these things are like baked in as professional positions, but in a small town, you got to call on everybody for everything they can bring. So I taught piano for a very long time. I I took piano starting in first grade. And by the time I was in high school, I was the one giving the piano lessons. I was the church accompanist and choir director at one of our local Methodist churches as a high school student. So these were just things that you know, I had a talent and there was a need. And so I showed up and for $25 a week, led the choir. That is, do you still play? I play a little bit. We finally have a piano in our house. So on the rare moment that I need a stress, stress relief, I'll grab the sheet music and play something. So I'll get back to uh, some of the other lessons that you've learned to inst- instill on others. But I do have a question about growing up. 
what did you want to be when you grow up? Because first, I've never figured that out yet because I think I'm still growing <laughs> up. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, we all had, I, you know, actually somebody asked me that question. I said, what I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be a professional water skier because I loved water skiing. Clearly, I never made that, but that was my dream growing up. What was yours? My dream was to be a lawyer, a journalist, and then eventually the president of the United States. Wow. And I, and I had that written in more than one diary entry as a very young girl. Wow. So I'm not, not quite doing that job, nor am I on that path anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, those were the, the big dreams I had in that small town. It sounded like it sounds like you like helping people. Absolutely, yeah. But making just, an making an impact, inspiration, motivation, enacting change. Absolutely. So, what are some of these other um, uh, stories and, and and things that you're helping folks today? Because you used to work at uh, as right as of right now, you still do work at Nationwide, and you've been there for a number of years, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you probably had the most difficult employee ever, ever that I reported to you. A guy by the name of Ruben Miner. <laughs> no, we, for those listening, Pete and I are both good friends with dear Mr. Ruben Miner, also fellow podcaster, and I've been on his show as well. So I've had some amazing, amazing people who have worked with and for me over my 12 years at Nationwide. It's uh, pretty incredible to think about that journey. But as I think about kind of what I learned in the small town and how that helped me be successful in a corporate setting. Um, gosh, there's so many to unpack, but I think one of them that's really important right now is for us to think about agility and our ability to be able to pivot because clearly sitting here in, in the middle of 2020, we haven't even made it uh, six months through the year and it's been a ride. Um, but I think the idea of, of pivoting and being able to use what you have on hand. And so this, this is a story I share a lot. Pete, you heard this when I spoke to our Ohio National Speakers Association mm -hmm. group. Uh, senior year in college, I hosted a group of my classmates to come stay at my house before we all headed to Cedar Point, which for those who aren't familiar, it's an amusement park up on Lake Erie. My parents live about 45 minutes away. And my, uh, so about 20 of my, my college classmates were coming up. So I saw them all pulling up the driveway. They pull in and, uh, you know, up the, the gravel driveway that you have in a, in a small town. Mm -hmm. And my college friend Vince gets out of his car and he said, Natalie, we knew we were getting close to your house. We started to see basketball hoops on the side of barns. <laughs> and I, I remember my parents standing there with me and we all just laughed. And I, you know, I, I carried that memory with me for a long time and I never really unpacked it until I was starting these small town leadership lessons. I'm like, what does that have to teach me about small town leadership and what it reminded me of? You use what you have. And I think right now we are all being called to use what we have, whether that be a, from a physical, you know, physical standpoint or from a mental standpoint, emotional standpoint, whatever it might be, this ability to pivot and use what we have and have agility is only going to get more important as we all move forward in time and identify what our, in horrible term, quote unquote, new normal will, will be. Right. Because I think, I don't think we're quite there to the new normal, but I do believe we're at the now normal. Absolutely. And that's all we can <laughs> get through. <laughs> that, that's true. That's all, that's all that we can do. And, and the ability to be able to adapt to a very changing landscape is critical. And as you're talking through this, I, I'm, I, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, which was not a small, not 
get out of small as a public, but we weren't large by any means. <clears throat> and I'm going, okay, so when I was 12, I was working in a restaurant. Uh, my father had a liquor store, go figure. And um, I would work three days a week cleaning up his back lot there. Uh, and that's back in the days, these guys would come through, get their liquor and sit back there and talk and stuff. And I'm back to cleaning up their mess. It's not a dorm room, but it's close. I Well, I mean, there's probably lots of similarities there. Yeah, very much similarities. And, and that is a critical part where you, where you do get your, uh, your your work ethic and what you do, as well as, I love the attitude, just say yes. Yeah. And, and, and do it. Because we all report to somebody. Why not say yes and figure it out versus saying no? Right. And then the day will come when you realize you can't say yes so much. Or you know you're in a position where you can help other people feel empowered to say yes. And I think that's been something that as I've grown in my leadership over over the years is is what I'm most proud of. And now I'm I'm a coach and I help lead a team of coaches and help others become coaches. And that's that's where that all comes in is when we can empower the people who work for us and with us to say yes and come up with the solutions and ideas. That's when magic starts to happen in any workplace we're part of. So think about over the last, I guess really since about mid-March and we're recording this on June 12th. So three months ago when this all came down and we were, we, I don't remember which one of my guests I actually, it may have been Ruben, I, I, who I interviewed, said we get we get um, sent to our rooms <laughs> and, and quarantined. And as a coach, and you've got these people who were working in a building who are now working from home with teaching their kids and husband home and wife home. How do you how do you coach them through that massive of a of an immediate adjustment so they maintain their sanity. Yeah, well, I, I don't know that we can take credit for helping people keep their sanity, but I think what what we've reverted to and what I've reverted to even in my, my own coaching practice is going back to basics. I think this is what the entire quarantine has taught me is we go back to the basics. And from a coaching perspective, it's going back to the, the root level of what makes a good coach. And that is building, earning, and keeping people's trust. Because if we can be in a trusting relationship, we can then say how we're feeling. Like, hey, Pete, I can't today because my kids have had me at my wits end. Or I have, I have stresses beyond what's the, the work assignment today and I just need some grace on that. If we're not in a trusting relationship, it's really hard to say that. And then we have to be you know, completely active listeners I mean, active listening right now in this moment in time, this moment in history has never been more important uh, to be able to really, really listen between the lines. That's my terminology for what it means to be a really good active listener is maybe not the words you're saying to me, but the inflection with which you're saying them or the, the body language with what you're appearing, if, assuming we can do that the right way through, through Zoom. Um, but those, but getting people back to the basics of of what they learned in you know one hundred and one coach training mm. is sort of where the magic happens. And I think we've also gone back to basics in our life, and that's where this whole idea of sanity comes in. You know, I, I put a big post up on social media over the weekend that I live in a cul-de-sac with six houses, and uh, 
generally have a you know good relationship with a set of neighbors and then are friendly with everybody else. But until the pandemic hit, we never put chairs on our front porch because we were so busy running, going, 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 going that we didn't stop to actually have meaningful dialogue with our neighbors. And we've done that in a way during the pandemic that we haven't before. And that's made me really happy. That's that's what the small town leadership feel is to me. It's the pausing, getting back to basics and remembering what's really important. I did see that post. That was, that was really cool. Uh, and I love the fact you're talking about we need to become better at active listening. And the way, the way I explain it is we all have agendas and we all have biases. And it's pushing those agendas and biases completely to the side and not letting it be a distraction in your listening process and truly try to hear and understand what the other person is saying before injecting back to them. And if we can do this in a civil manner, because once we start saying like no and but, uh, that invokes that emotion. And once those negative emotions go, rational thinking flies right out the window. Oh, yeah. I mean, rational thinking is really hard for a lot of people right now because it's so unbelievably crazy what we're going through from a pandemic to social unrest to economic stress. I mean, it's crazy. Like everyone's like, what's the, what's the next month going to bring? I think you've probably seen on your social media feed, all the different, all the different things that are, that are happening and coming through that are like, is the volcano going to erupt? Is the snowstorm going to happen in August? And I wrote, I I grabbed a paper behind me while you were just saying that I was listening. I promise Pete. Um, (laughs) It's, and it it comes from, I believe the mayor of Atlanta was having did an impromptu speech when uh, protests started to break out in Atlanta. And one of the lines she said, and this might not be exact, so please don't, don't take this as the full quote, but it's to the effect of, you aren't listening if you aren't willing to change your mind with the information you've been given. Perfect. Right. I mean, like mic drop moment on that one, because, you know, from a coaching perspective, you know, the idea of listening is just baked in and coaching, you have no agenda. You're not attached to the outcome. You're there to fully bring, bring the ideas and gifts forward from the person that you're with. And I've never really thought about it from a mind changing perspective. You know, if you were and I, if you were and I were in a coaching session right now, it'd be your agenda, it'd be what you're working on. And Mm -hmm. I'm not here to impart anything on you unless that becomes necessary. And I'm like, hey, you know, Pete, I think I can help you solve this quicker. Do you want that? You'd say, absolutely. Um, but this quote shifts that to say, wow, I want to enter into dialogue. I want to enter in a conversation because maybe, maybe the way I'm thinking about it isn't the way I want to keep thinking about it. And I need someone to help me pivot that. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's also, yeah, to that point, it's also having the ability to change. To check to uh, okay, let's call it change your mindset. Um, <laughs> but 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 that's what that, really that this is what it's all about. It's we have some old time beliefs, it, whether it's in our leadership style, in our social lifestyle. That I have told friends of mine, we're not going back to the eighties. We one. Did you have a? Did you have to take a picture? Look at a picture of us lately from back in the eighties. We don't want to look like that again. 
but those the that whole value system and the way business was done and how leaders reacted doesn't work in 2020. Actually, it doesn't work. I've said in the 2000s, but we still have that mindset attached and grounded and anchored to the point that they don't want to listen. And I think I'm going to make a pivot and it's going to sound self-serving, but I think this is, it's appropriate right now. I, everything you're telling me is saying that we've been trained to do something that might not be inherent to us. We've been wired and then rewired to show up as we've seen it happen before us. And that's not working anymore. And I completely agree with that. And so I'm working on a project right now. It's a book project called Let Her Out, where the whole idea is we got to get back to that, in my mind, that small town girl. We have to get back to that person who knew authentically how she wanted to show up in the world. And she would be an amazing leader because she would just show up and kind of have no filter and be vulnerable and cry if it was what she needed to do or shout if she needed to shout and, and not apologize for who she is. Mm-hmm. And I describe it as those little blocks that our kids play with where they're little pegs and they beat it with a hammer until the peg goes through the hole, you know, and then you push them back up and keep hitting the hammer. And as adults, we've just been like beat down. Like our pegs are, are all the way down and through and it's flat on top and we're doing everything because we've been programmed to do it the way we've seen it done before. And you know, I'm encouraging people through this work to like, no, push that peg back up and stand tall and get rid of the hammer and, and be full out as, as your true authentic self because that's not going to lead you wrong. It might, yeah, it might, might push people off. You might not like people, but at least you're not covering. You're not hiding. You're not pretending. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Uh, and exactly. Um, but in, in the world that we live in, and I'll just say the corporate world that we live in, um, you're to act, look like everybody else. And I've always said, I don't want to look like everybody else. Then this whole place would be boring. Uh, when I was at price, when I was at price. No, I was, I was working for a local firm here in Columbus and it was during tax season. And I walked in on a Saturday. I thought I'd have some fun. I was wearing a T-shirt that said "Math is hard." One, nobody laughed, and, and two, they didn't get it. And three, they said, "Don't wear it again." Okay. And how much longer were you at that firm? Oh, I made it through. I started in January and was gone in May. So you made it through the tax season. You made yeah. it through the math is hard part, and then you're like, right. "Yeah, I'm out," because you you knew you weren't a fit and. Right. And I think right now what we have is we, we have companies who are finally, unfortunately, because of all the unrest, because of the death of George Floyd, I think we're finding companies who are in a way that I've not seen. And I've, I've been trained to lead unconscious bias sessions for the last three years. So this is something I talk about regularly. Um, but right, I don't think until right now are we giving voice to say, it's okay to be you. It's okay to show up in whether it's your skin, your belief system, your whatever it might be. Um, I think I think, and I hope that this is kind of the, the way that we can allow you to show up with the math is hard t-shirt and it'd be like, thanks Pete for being who you are. And, you know, obviously my hope is that this all is toward the end of having a more peaceful, just, and equal society. And I'm hoping that that's 
hope is not a strategy, but I think it's what we need right now more than ever. So what is your definition of unconscious bias? <laughs> oh gosh. So you, you caught me there. It's, it's actually really funny because I tell people when I deliver unconscious bias sessions, I said, it's actually really hard to describe unconscious bias because you don't know that it's happening. And then I play a great YouTube video for them. <laughs> so that's how I, so speaker to speaker tip, that's how I get around it. But it's really those things you aren't aware of that um, maybe others do see and they need to bring it to your attention, but they are truly the automated things that are happening in your brain and it might turn into outward action and you might not realize that it's doing any harm until it becomes a conscious bias. So there's always a continuum that I talk about in those sessions. It's going from the unconscious bias to conscious bias. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a choice to make when you get to that point. You say, am I going to stay here or am I going to go into, into the place of inclusion, which is where all voices matter and all voices need to be heard. Right. And I've heard it related or, or defined as the blind spot. Absolutely. What you got I, it. I don't see it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else sees it and nobody's telling me about it. Yep. You got yeah. it. And then until one day, then that car in the other lane smacks you so hard that you wake up and you're like, wow, gosh, were they driving in my blind spot that whole time? And then all of a sudden you have, you're on high alert, you have awareness. And when we have awareness is when we can change. Most of the time. I still believe there's some people, even when they see this, uh, this now it's a conscious bias, but that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to stay that. I'm not going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think for some things, Pete, like that is completely okay. Like I, I show up to my sessions and say, we are not here to change your mind. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm here for you to recognize that this is, this is a belief system you have. And then you're the one who gets to make the choice of whether you stay there or not. Because um, some things are conviction and, and will, not, will not budge. And, uh, but some people will use those as eye-opening moments to say, that's not how I want to be anymore. Right. And I've gone through in the past some unconscious bias and they became conscious. And I went, I'm... I'm, I'm going to adapt to to a new new mindset, and it, it takes a little bit of time. It, yeah. it, ta- it takes a little bit of time, but it's it's you know you, you, we evolve as as leaders. We evolve, and the I I always feel the best leaders are the ones that will listen, the ones that'll take the information in, and make some type of decision on action, and in the sense of relating them to themselves, that when they see the landscape evolving into something different to embrace the, the, the change, learn from the change and, and apply the change and become a better leader. Absolutely. We call that personal professional growth. I call it the adaptive leader, which sometimes you just can't, they can't help themselves. <laughs> what other tip from growing up in the small town world? Mm-hmm that you share with your, your coachees and, and to enact change? One that is really powerful, and this is specifically when you're trying to talk to people about purpose and when you're trying to talk to them about their why that we hear so frequently mm-hmm. talked about, I point people to the, the town motto and sign that stands in the 
this weird like three-way intersection that happens in Republic, Ohio. There's no, there's no stoplights because that wouldn't happen in a town of 600, but it's <laughs> this weird three-way stop. So it's a triangular sign. And when I was in elementary school, there was a competition to write the town motto and come up with a town logo. And my sister's friend, Michelle, won both of those contests. And the motto is Republic, Ohio, small in size, big in heart. So six words, there, boom, smack in the middle of town. No matter which way you're coming, you will see that sign. And to me, that's the sign that we all can have six words to connect to or 10 words or 12 words. And we have to think about what's pulling us to our cause and our mission. If we lead a team, how do you come up with those six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 words for your team? How do you come up with them then for yourself so that way you can see yourself fitting fully into that mission of the team? And if you're not feeling connected, if you show up with the math is hard t-shirt and you're like, maybe I don't belong here, then that's a great exercise to do to say the team mission is X. My personal mission is Y. Can I connect the two? Sure. Great. And if you can't, that's your good sign that maybe maybe I need to move to the next town over. Right. I, I, I don't know if you can see with this microphone in front of me, but I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, be good to people. I do. I see that. And um, a friend of mine from Cleveland, um, well, friends, Don and Bill Tomoff, turned me on to this. I saw they were wearing the shirt. I'm, oh, my God, where'd you get it? And this person up in Cleveland uh, has turned it into, it's a foundation, it's turned it into a wonderful business. And it's just so simple. And I would wear it on airplanes. And flight attendants would always say, oh, my God. I need to wear that. Oh, could you just walk up and down the aisle and just point at this? So, you know, just be kind to people. Why why can't we just, I mean, that's that's the foundation right there and everything builds from that. Absolutely. And I think growing up in a small town, you see kindness manifest very differently than I see in Dublin, Ohio, which is the suburb where I live right now. You know, kindness manifests in not head nodding at the grocery store and maybe a wave when you leave your driveway from with your car. But kindness in a small town manifests in, hey, our house burned down and we need a place to stay or we need furniture or we need clothes or we need whatever. And boom, the next day, those things are at the door. I'm not suggesting that stuff doesn't happen in the suburban setting, but you don't really hear about it unless it's really immediate to you. Whereas in a small town, it's those things just happen and come together. The way I like to say it is you could, you could have a horrible fight with somebody during the day and that night if tragedy were to strike either one of you or your families, you'd be there for each other. And you knew that would be genuine. Yes, yes. I've, I've, I've got a number of friends like that that we could, have, we, we could have disagreements or whatever, but in time of need, there wouldn't even be... I, actually, I'm experiencing one right now, uh, uh, a friend of mine, stepfather passed. And I just learned about it this morning. And it's like, dude, what can I do to help? Um, I, I be, you know, just, just let me know. I, I, I'm there. I, I know we're, we're uh, hundreds of miles apart, but I can, I, I'll, we can figure it out. I can, I can help some way. Yeah. And, and actually, um, so I had to go get some blood drawn the other day. And with the social distancing and stuff, there are these chairs, and I was sitting in one of them, and I was, you know, doing like everybody else was doing, looking at their phone. And I looked up, and there's this uh, woman just standing there. She checked in, and she was leaning up against the wall because there wasn't enough seats. So I just popped up and said, please take my seat. And she was, no, no, I, I'm fine. I said, I, I, she was older than I was. I said, oh, please take it. I, I, my back's bothered. I need to stand in here. And she goes, we need more of that. 
as she passed me, and I went, I, that's just how I was raised. Right. Um, I, yeah. We back to it. basics, Pete. We're back to basics. Yes. And what a good circle that was. We started with back to basics, and we're coming up to the end, and now we're back to <laughs> basics again. Oh, imagine that. Go figure. It's so simple, but it's so hard. I know. So what would you tell my audience? Or what would you, yeah, just tell my audience the most important thing. If it's starting at ground zero, we said it started basics, okay? But what is, what is the other secret sauce in order to grow the, uh, the starting from basics? I mean, I can say I can start, but there's got to be other motivation there for me to begin to instill that change. Absolutely. I think that's where we bring in the concepts of empathy, compassion, and acknowledgement. These aren't necessarily small town lessons, they're universal lessons, but I think I saw them demonstrated in a small town in a way that is, is very unique. But you know, empathy is the idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. which can be dangerous because we really truly can't put ourselves in other people's shoes very often. And those who want to know more about this, there's a great Brene Brown video that's about three minutes long and she describes how empathy can work really well. So I would leave it to that expert. Then you get to compassion, which is I can, I can have an understanding of what it feels like to be in your shoes, but I'm not going to try to put myself into your shoes. I'm just going to acknowledge. And that's where we get to this point of saying, okay, Pete, I acknowledge that you're having a bad day. You know, Anyone who's experiencing what you are might be having a tough time and then we we talk about it. And that mm-hmm. diffuses so much tension. It diffuses shame. It diffuses this need to explain myself away when we can do that continuum of not really stepping in their shoes, but just acknowledging their shoes are different and then saying, it's okay to feel the way you feel. Wow. What great advice. And I, I wrote that down, empathy and compassion. Uh, Natalie, once again, thank you so very much. How, uh, before we say goodbye, how can people find you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. It's very easy to find me. I am Natalie Siston, S-I-S-T-O-N. Spell it out all the time for people. Mm. Natalie Siston and Small Town Leadership. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram with both of those handles. And I invite people to connect with me there. Uh, do you have a website? I do. Smalltownleadership.com. Perfect. Now, thank you so very much for taking time. I've enjoyed this conversation and I'm looking forward to more future conversations with you. Thanks so much, Pete. I want to thank Natalie for her time sharing her small town story. I hope you noticed when Natalie said these words, active listening, saying yes, trust, and empathy. These are key words in the world of improv leadership. I love the story about when she entered the workforce and things were put on her plate. She always said yes, no matter the scope of what she was asked to do. She didn't say no or yes, but. How can you change your mindset where you embrace the opportunity no matter how large or small it may be? If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Also, please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I will conclude by saying, there are no mistakes, only gifts, and happy accidents. Thank you for listening. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com 
C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.